welcome back to episode six of the Big Gay Book Club. If books be the food of friendship, read on. And if podcasts be the dessert, listen up. It's our first episode of 2024 and a fantastic book to kick off the, the new year. Book number one of Arden High, 12th Grade Night, written by Molly Horton Booth and Stephanie K. Strom and illustrated by Jamie Green. Our big gay blanket is woven with all sorts of Shakespeare references in a cozy modern day setting filled with fairies, ghosts, magic, and romance. I'm your host, Amy. And I'm your host, Chris. I realized we didn't introduce ourselves earlier. <laughs> uh, we're we're just so good at this, Amy. We're we're, so we're still good, getting Chris. into the swing of things. <laughs> I so I before we even get into things, I'm just I'm excited for this episode because I actually read this book this morning. I kind of I knew I like I knew it was a short read. Mm-hmm. I'd read about it online, and I knew from looking at it. <clears throat> so I'm just like I'm gonna be the most closely tied to the book that i have been since we started this podcast and that like i just read it so now it's so fresh so i'm excited to talk about it yeah me too it's fresh for me too i read it last night and this is actually my second time reading this i read it um after i first bought it um since i was the one to recommend this to you i I already had this book and i went back because you know how i I write down the time that i start reading a book and and finishing it and it took me three yep. hours last time. And then this time it only took me, I think it was uh, just under two hours. Nice. Yeah, it's a really quick and easy read. And I think that is one of the good things it has going for it. Before we get into all of that juicy book stuff, mm-hmm. um, we have some introductory stuff we wanted to talk about. Yes. And the first is actually a really sad piece of I news know. because I don't think there are any characters in this book that mean our fluffy animal companion count is going to continue i know there is actually one depiction of an instagram post i think it's depicted three times the same post and it's of uh, one of the characters on the cover with her dog um but we never actually get to meet the dog and we don't learn the dog's yeah. name so unfortunately our account our streak is broken yeah but I don't want to spoil it, but we will probably be picking it back up next week, Ooh. doubly so. So I'm super, not next week, next month. <laughs> so I'm super excited for that. Me too. Um, do you have other news? Yes, I do. I'm. This is like a really big life update and I kind of hinted at it last episode, but I finally get to officially come out and tell the world, which is all of our listeners, that... Starting next fall, I'm kind of fulfilling what I would say is my, like, um, professional dream, which is I'm going to be a professor at a university. I'm super excited. Yay! If you could see my face right now, I'm positively beaming for you. I know. And, yeah, Amy already knew. It was, like, one of the first people I told. But um, it's just, I've, it's been really cool to be able to just excitedly tell people and that's what i guess i'm doing here too is just letting more people know that this cool life thing is happening to me and it's something i've kind of been spending the last 10 years working toward so i'm really proud of it and i'm really excited about what it means for my career moving forward and i'm also really excited about what it means for our podcast because I'm actually going to have a lot more time than I do currently as a high school teacher. Oh, that's amazing. Because I'm going to be on a n- nine-month contract instead of a, like, 
10 month contract. So I have a whole extra month of time. It's going to be great. I'm so, so, so excited for you. And I'm really happy that you've got this exciting news to be able to share with folks. Yeah. And I, it's kind of, I, it's nice to remind kind of our community and our listeners of our very varied um, takes here on this podcast. We have Amy, the writer, editor, and me, the math teacher who wrote as a hobby and I guess technically was a writing tutor in college and has a really deep connection with reading and writing, but like it ultimately isn't what I did, but it's still what I love. So yeah, yeah, I'm, it's really good. Yay. And I, I wanted to make sure you got to bring up this neck thing because I think it's like the coolest idea and I've actually seen it done a bit with um crocheting but do you want to talk about what you've been up to on twitch recently yes yeah so uh this week for the first time ever um i had a writing stream or a productivity stream i'm not really sure how to talk about it yet it's also kind of an accountability session but um i had this idea last year there i know are some booktubers and like writer tubers on youtube especially who will have uh you know these days where they will write in front of their viewers and i figured this is a really excellent way to just make that connection with uh the twitch community have an opportunity for those of us who maybe work from home or who have some tasks or goals that they want to achieve for me i've got a lot of writing projects on my plate and so i was like I'll set aside a couple hours. I'll do a stream uh, during the day at a time that I don't normally stream and uh, just try to do some some writing sprints. I set a Pomodoro timer. Uh, we did like 25 minutes of a sprint where we all just tackled whatever our goals were. I was typing away um, on my on my computer while you know the camera was on. And uh, in between those writing sprints, we had the opportunity to just chat about what we were able to achieve and what we still wanted to uh, get done during the stream. And I ended up writing in the course of about um, an hour and a half, uh, three of those Pomodoros, uh, nearly 3000 words. So I'm really, really impressed with how uh, just quick to focus I was able to get because we were just talking about this, but I have a, a difficult time feeling disciplined and productive when I'm by myself. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think that's incredible that you wrote that much. Like, I aspire to that being <laughs> able to write 3,000 words in an hour and a half. I think you might have found your um, niche. And it actually is a more common thing on Twitch than a lot of people know because, like, I think it's called, for the most part, co-working streams. I've seen that, and yeah. Yeah, and they have actual chatbots that allow people to enter their tasks and, like, check them off as they complete them, too, if you want to look into that. I will. Um, I've personally never done that kind of a stream, but I do watch a crochet streamer who uses kind of the Pomodoro. Is it Pomodoro? Pomodoro, yeah. It's like the Pomodoro yeah, that, method. Yeah, that sort of technique where no no talk and no chatting for about 20 to 30 minutes it's just working like this is like a person who crochets for their living um so like they focus on their work and then they take 10 minutes off to chat and like drink some tea and just 
like stretch their hands and then they and it's a really great idea for writing it's probably a really great idea for a lot of things like maybe yeah. if you need to read one of the not need maybe if you want to read one of the books you're reading for our podcast you could hang out with amy while you do it or something like that yeah it's just it's a really wonderful way um especially since i work from home you know i'm a freelancer i don't have an office to go into and especially during the pandemic i know that a lot of these co-working streams were on the rise when you know it wasn't necessarily safe to go into an office or folks didn't have an office to go into and you were still able to find that community and you know other people who had similar goals as you like you know I want to be focused for this duration of time and we're just gonna you know sit down together and just just be just get our things done and then we can celebrate all together and I think it's it's just really really lovely and I agree with you I think maybe maybe that would be really fun to try with like reading like a reading stream in that way or, or trying to get more writing done, trying to get crocheting done, um, you know, trying to do laundry or dishes or get some emails answered, whatever it is you need to do. Um, I'm going to see if I can get them scheduled, uh, a little bit more frequently into my Twitch routine. Um, I had it done on a, a Friday morning, but I think we could try out some different days and times of the week just to see if there's anything that seems to work best for the community. Yeah, and it's really cool because it's something that you get to be productive while also kind of growing those connections and maybe making some new ones too. Yeah. Well, Amy, are you excited to start talking about 12th grade night? Am I ever? Oh, this book is just such a delight. It is. It's just like holding it in my hand and looking at it. It's like this beautiful shade of pink Mm -hmm. the artwork is exquisite oh yeah um so do you want to introduce our listeners to what this book is about sure so the back of the book says the course of true love never did run smooth vi came to arden high for a fresh start and a chance to wear beanies and button-ups instead of uniform skirts And though doing it without her twin feels like being split in half, Vi finds her stride when she stumbles into broody and beautiful poet-slash-influencer Orsino. Soon, Vi gets roped into helping plan the school's 12th grade night dance, and she can't stop dreaming about slow dancing with Orsino under the fairy lights in the auditorium. The problem? Vi's new friends all assume she's not even into guys. And before Vi can ask Orsino to the dance, he recruits Vi to help woo his crush, Olivia, who has a crush of her own on Vi. (laughs) Star-crossed love abounds in this hilarious and romantic story of self-discovery, mistaken identities, and the magic that happens when we open our hearts to something new. Okay, Amy, can I tell you something? Yeah. I actually didn't read this... (gasps) um synopsis until right now and i'm so glad i didn't because that's that's spoiler territory i feel like yeah i mean people are gonna read it i don't it's not spoilers it's what's on the back of the book right mm-hmm. like to introduce you to what the story's gonna be about There's but still spoilers. i'm personally <laughs> yeah i'm personally glad i didn't read it because i discovered a lot of those things that i was reading and i think they had more of an impact because of that yeah, I think I think it's good to remember as we approach how books look um, that the book gets written first. You know, the synopsis on yep. the back cover, the cover itself, the title, like all of these things are typically done after the book has already been written. And so you already have those built-in moments of discovery within the prose. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of it, especially since sometimes it's not even the author who, most of the times I would say, it's not even the author who is writing 
the back cover materials, that synopsis. Um, it's probably somebody on the publishing team. So, uh, you know, the voicing, the the perspective of it all, the scope of what's being talked about. Um, I do, I did see a book recently where the back of the book literally just said, we don't want to spoil anything here in the synopsis. Uh, we have to say something. So just suffice to say, these are the characters, their lives intertwine, and the story is about the journey that they go on together. So you just have to read it to find out. And when you tell your friends about it, don't tell them what it's about yeah. either. And I was like, that's beautiful. Yeah. I love that. Or <laughs> just like maybe, maybe, maybe we need to start a revolution. Maybe it just needs to be more overarching and like big picture. And it's like, this is a story about love and blah, 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 and so-and-so um if you're into these types of books you'll really enjoy this but like leave the plot out i'm i'm leaning towards that now i'm gonna be i'm gonna probably start getting on your train and i might stop reading because just like reading this i'm just feeling right or hearing it now and reading it with you i'm just like i'm so glad i just decided not to it's like this is a short book i'm very very quick read very easy to um indulge in and i'm glad i didn't have any knowledge of it going into it yeah and that's something else entirely because it is a story based on a story that's been told before yes. but i don't know anything about that story either so yes. i went in completely blind yeah and it is very subtle they don't say anything about shakespeare like they don't mention shakespeare at all on the front or the back cover um as far as i'm aware but if you look at the front cover um it says 12th grade night and the 12th and the night are in the same uh, curly font and the grade looks different. And so it kind mm-hmm. of draws your eye to 12th night, which is the name of the play by Shakespeare that this is a modern day adaptation of. Yeah. And like you were saying earlier, this might be the first in a series of books taking place in this um, setting about these characters, which once we start talking about these characters, I think it'll come to kind of let everybody know that we're probably a little bit excited to see <laughs> more stories taking place in this world. Definitely. Um, and then the other big thing that excited me about this book was some admiration on the front cover by mm-hmm. our um, podcast alum, I guess if you want to call them that. <laughs> Um, Alice Oseman, mm-hmm. uh, the author of Heartstopper, um, they mentioned, or I guess they're quoted on the front cover saying that this story is magical and full of queer joy. This book is such a dream. So once Alice told me that, I knew I was, I knew I was going to enjoy it. <laughs> you know, you're in good hands when Alice has the yeah. quote on the cover. Exactly. Like that, if you can get somebody to put a quote on the front of your queer graphic novel, you want it to be Alice Oseman. Absolutely. And yeah, I, I, it, that everything they had to say in that quote is true, I feel. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Well, but yeah, I am excited to get into our discussion. Do you want to take it, take the lead? Sure. Yeah. So, this was my recommendation. Uh, I was the one who heard about this book first. Um, at some point, I think in the spring last year, I was just visiting a local bookstore um, and was looking around. You know, a bookseller asked me if they could offer any help. And I was saying, you know, which of these books would you recommend? And her eyes lit up and she immediately pointed to 12th grade night. And she's like, we just got this one in, but it is a big favorite of mine. And I love it. And I tell everyone that they have to read it. And 
because of what she said and just like how effusive she, you know, she was speaking, I was like, okay, I have to get this. And I ended up reading it, I think the very next night. And my gosh, it definitely lives up to the hype. Um, as you mentioned before, like this book, this book is gorgeous. Like the front cover is beautiful. And then every single page on here, like I wish some of these pages could be posters. It's just the way that the colors and the way that the, the characters have been drawn. It just really, really helps to bring this story to life. Yeah. And this is one of those cases where the authors and the artists are maybe, I, I'd love to know more about how the process of creating this book went, because I feel like they if they weren't working in conjunction to start, they picked the perfect um, artists to bring this story to life because like the setting and the art just work so well together. Definitely. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and I, I mean, you told me about this and when you did, it's just like, I feel like we need to read, you said we should probably read this for an episode in the future. And mm-hmm. we've been saving it for kind of one of those months where we wanted a nice um easy read and i i'm not saying that like i'm never gonna say that as a like a downside or a bad thing i i mean honestly i say that in the most positive way because people who leave busy lives or even just <clears throat> high schoolers who this book is kind of more written for mm-hmm. who want that sort of quick uh read are going to have a lot to um gain from this book which is great yeah, you can't see right now, but I'm nodding along to everything you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's our thing now. I love it. Okay. Um, but yeah, that that's kind of my first point that I wanted to bring up is just how digestible it is. Like I I wrote I, I kind of I made a funny I this this took me the length of one iced coffee to read this morning <laughs> while I was just being cozy on the couch with the cats. I love it. Um I was just like I hadn't read it like last night came around, it's like yeah, I, I'm going to just read it the morning we're going to do the podcast because, like, I know it's a short read. I know I'm going to be able to. Like, I can read Heartstopper in less than two hours. This mm-hmm. is even shorter. Um, and I'm just like, that's going to keep me the most fresh and the most, like, um, I have one of the things people quickly learn about me is I have a really bad memory for names mm. and just details. Like, I could watch, like, I'm re-watching all of Doctor Who right now with my partner and... Um, like we just watched an episode last night about a bank heist and he was just like, oh yeah, I remember this. Oh yeah, I remember this. I'm just like, I'm essentially, I'm like, I'm watching this episode for the first time because I remember Mm. nothing about it. Mm -hmm. Like I just never had that, um, that knack for detail. So I was, that's kind of also, I made the conscious choice to be like, I'm going to do something a little differently. I'm going to, I'm going to read this the day of, and I'm glad I did because, um, of how much I enjoyed it. Also, it was a nice morning. It was like a really nice morning to have. <laughs> Yay. Yeah, I think there's so much about this book. Um, there, there, There's a lot jam-packed in here. I think... Yes, know, there is. Between the characters, um, between all of the little Easter eggs and Shakespeare references, uh, I think it helps that um, the characters are mostly or all all named after Shakespearean characters, um, many of them from Twelfth Night, uh, some of them from Midsummer Night's Dream. Uh, I think there's a character from Hamlet referenced in here as well. Um, but like the fact that they each have their own unique like style and looks, um, also sexual orientations, and then they each have like a different role to play in the drama that takes part. Like it feels like a true high school story 
even with all the magical elements involved. And I think that helps to make this feel very memorable. Yeah, I just to talk more about that, like so much packed into this um, package. Mm -hmm. There's just like the author artist combo doesn't waste any space in like telling us things or I'm not even sorry, not telling. I'm specifically meant to say showing us things like (laughs) we learn a lot about these characters, a little bit about what they're talking about, what they're saying, but a lot about just taking the extra few seconds to like take in the panel and see what's happening and like getting details about this world and these characters by almost treating it like you're watching it happen. Yeah. I think that's actually why it took me about an extra hour the first time I read it, because I remember I poured over these panels. Mm-hmm, I like like was sure. scrutinizing everything in the way that I could do with Heartstopper as well. There's just so much jam packed. And like you're saying, like there is a lot when it's not said about the character explicitly, like it's probably shown somewhere in their character design or the way that they move or the way that they're saying something. It's very, very clever design. Mm-hmm. And it's just overall a pretty funny book too. Like yeah. it's a high school setting, a high school in a world that's nothing like our own. Well, like our own, but also a lot not like our own in some pretty fantasy-like ways. Mm-hmm. But it's just these characters get up to some fun hijinks like throughout the book. And I think, oh, that's – I remembered one of the things I want to talk about later when I, as I'm talking about this. It yeah. just sparked a memory. Um, there's just like – it's really well written. Like it's very – like I like the word quippy and just like, or I guess even smart. Like it's mm. very smartly written in like some of the jokes it's making and some of the things it has to say about um, kind of queerness and society's view and interactions with it. Yeah, I found myself smiling for most of this and tearing up too. I definitely cried in the middle of this both times that I read it. Oh, I want to know about what when we get there. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that. Uh, and then the last thing I wanted to talk about was, it's just like, I feel like we've definitely talked about it in a past episode, but both you and I are very much into um, teen literature and television and just movie and just content in general. Mm-hmm. And like, I, when I give examples of that, I give like Riverdale or Gilmore Girls or, um, I don't know, there's like, what was the most recent, like Wednesday or things like that, where it's just these stories about this kind of um span of a person's life in high school right and it's just you can tell really good stories in that setting and i feel like in this story it was really realistic to me i was just like (laughs) yep that was me in high school yep that was me in high school it's just like these two characters being like i like that person but I'm too shy to talk to them. Could you Mm -hmm. tell them or could you talk me up to them? Just like, yeah, that's high school. Like that is literally like you don't tell the person you like them. You like them. You make some, you make your friend tell them. And then they're just like, but actually I like you, but they like me. And it's just this whole like, yep, yep. This is all, this all tracks. A hundred percent. Um, yeah. Is there anything else you want to talk about before we get into, the next part of our podcast no i figured i figured we could maybe talk about some things that we didn't like yeah and there's not much here for me it's like how quickly i read this and just how 
like much I'd say I gobbled it up. Maybe I, I think I said that about our last book too, but it's just like we. I mean, we'd have some. Ba- we'd have. We've had some bangers these last two months, and just how nice they were to read. Yeah. And I think my only, um, true, not even a complaint, more just like, um, challenge I had with it was towards the end. Mm-hmm. Um, it got a little bit confusing for me, not knowing this Shakespeare story, like where it its origin. Um, I wasn't super tuned into the whole, oh yeah, I like, I didn't have it in the forefront of my brain that they were twins. So some of the twin shenanigans that happened at the end mm. confused me, especially since it was more visual in this graphic novel than, um, written. I <clears throat> had a little bit of trouble discerning what was happening and it took me a few read throughs of like a certain 10 page span to start to understand what was happening and allow me to continue. And then Later on, things were answered, and like if I just kept reading, I would have gotten it. But in the moment, I was just like, I'm really confused right now. And I think that that's like the only downside entirely I had while reading it. So very minor. And it's just, if you are hearing this before you read it, I'll just say, if you do get confused, just work past it. Because it's kind of like a movie in the sense that I think you're kind of supposed to be confused. And then later on in the end... um, you get those revel- revelatory details that help you understand. Yeah. I, I would agree with you that the ending the ending is a bit confusing. It also feels rushed. Um, to speak to Twelfth Night, I do find that it was less confusing knowing what the how like the the play um ends, like what the how the story is supposed to end. So I wasn't mm-hmm. really confused in that way, but this is where some of the visual design aspects of the that had been working for the story start to break down at the ending. Some of the color choices and some of the design choices end up making it more confusing. And it's the ending, the kind of like twist where it definitely serves the people who pay more attention to the little details. Mm -hmm. And if you've been reading this quickly, or if you don't quite have that eye for spot the differences, then um, you probably will end up being more confused at the end. And they do explain it, but it Mm -hmm. all ends up feeling kind of rushed. And I do wish that there had been more time just for the last act. Yeah. And I agree. I wish, I mean, maybe it were 20 or 30 pages longer and we had a little bit more um, to give us in that final act. Mm-hmm. I would agree. Yeah. But, I mean, overall, would you recommend this book to others, Amy? I would. I mean, obviously, I recommended it to you. And now we're recommending, yes. you know, by reading it, I feel like that's that's automatically some kind of, you know, I. Uh, a bit of a credit towards, you know, the books that we have here on the podcast. But for this mm-hmm. one in particular, it's got gorgeous art. Um, and it's just chock full of these fun little Easter eggs and references to various Shakespeare plays. So like if you love Shakespeare, if you love modern day adaptations, if you love your queer romances loaded with unique and vivacious characters and all sorts of fun romance tro- tropes, then like this book is 100% for you. Yeah, and I think my big thing is I also recommend it because I feel like regardless of who you are, how you identify, or even how old you are, Mm. if you read this, I feel like you're going to find something in it to connect to and um, feel good about. So I'd give it a shot. And it's only going to be a couple hours of your time. um, And I think you're going to be better for it. Yeah. Yeah. And I am excited to start 
talking about all the fun details that were packed into this book. So I think we're going to enter spoiler territory now. Spoiler territory! (laughs) That was amazing. (laughs) And we will talk to y'all soon. Welcome in now. We're back in our spoiler territory. This is the place where all spoilers are welcome. And uh, if you haven't read the book yet, beware, because we are going to go into details. Uh, You're always welcome to pause the podcast here, go out quickly, get the book and read it. And then you can always come back and enjoy what we have to say. Yeah, I, I am really, I feel like this book might be short enough for us to kind of just go through if that makes sense like not all the details but the big ones are you okay with that yeah because one of the things i wanted to start off with was this whole like the whole premise is we have our two we have our mainest of main characters vi whose full name is viola Mm -hmm. um but she goes by vi she lets everybody know about it um but she's now going to this public school and her brother sebastian had made the choice to stay at the private school that they were in together in middle school, mm-hmm. I guess. I think that's how it worked. And Vi's main catalyst for wanting to go to a public school was not having to adhere to, like, boy-girl dress code anymore because yep. I feel like what we get to see and what we get to understand throughout the book is that Vi presents in a more masculine way. Mm-hmm. Um would you agree with that? Yeah, I would agree. I think she basically just wants to dress like her brother. Yeah. You know, we have a person, a twin. She, they're twins. And she's very, very attached to her brother, to her family. Um, and the, the whole family as a whole is going through a pretty turbulent time. Mm-hmm. You know, the father, their their father died two years before this story starts. And they're still working through a lot of change, a lot of adaptation. Um as there normally is, you know, going from middle school to high school. But, you know, she's trying to to figure out how to act and feel like herself at the same time that her brother is also trying to figure out his identity on his own. And so whereas Vi is trying to avoid as much change as she can because she really likes her brother, you know, she wants to be able to spend time with him and do things with him, he is trying to figure out, you know, through some small changes like like trying to take some things on his own like learn independence also see who he can be Mm-hmm. and we we kind of just start right in it i believe with um by um arriving at this school and kind of meeting this older student who apparently is like 400 years old maybe i don't know there are some world building things that i would have loved to see more of in this book yeah but she's a fairy named tanya yeah and she's a kind of abrasive like if i had to pinpoint a character that she reminds me the most of maybe it's regina george <laughs> yeah i, would I don't say know that. maybe that's t- maybe, maybe 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 a much maybe a little bit softer version of regina george but very much like the in charge in command like we're gonna do it my way like very much the leader of a lot of school groups and knows what she wants and how she's gonna get it but i think my biggest gripe with her character was just like i think it's probably intentional because it's the way it's written 
But one of the things that she does really early on is Vi makes it very clear that she prefers to be called Vi. And um, Tanya never calls her that. She always calls her by her full name. And every time it happened, I just felt graded. Mm, that's fair. Was, did you did you get the same sense? Like, it felt almost intentional. I, I think saying that it's intentional and saying that she's just like Regina George is giving Tanya a bit too much credit. I don't think okay. Tanya... She's quite oblivious to me. She seems like she's oh, oblivi- very See, self-absorbed. Oh, okay. And like, yes, yes, Regina George in the sense that she is... She's not only the queen of the school. She's queen of the fairies. She... Yes, literally. She, has, <laughs> she literally is the queen of the fairy realm. And she's got a lot going on in her mind. But she also yeah. is just thinking about herself and the fairies and her boyfriend on again off again on during this book ron um who i suppose then is the king of the fairies but she she doesn't seem to have a high regard for mortals she thinks that humans just like balloons because they like them and keeps thinking they're very <laughs> dim-witted and aren't really yes. capable of responsibility like fairies are um and she she is 400 years old but i think it's also her maturity hasn't quite caught up to her age yet and see, I'm glad we have these discussions because that's a whole different take than I had. And it kind of, it kind of, I think I found myself more in the middle now where maybe she was being a little bit like, um, maybe asserting a little bit of more dominance or power, but not in like a really aggressive way, but also kind of just being, I have too much, I like, I have too much to think about. Like yeah. I saw your name on this pant, like on this new student document and like, this is how I know you, like this is now what's in my brain. And like, I probably wasn't listening to you when you told me what your preferred name was. No, no, no. I, I, I like that. Yeah. And she also makes me soften a little on her. She's also like, Oh, Viola's so cool. And then Puck, who's also here. He's like, she's not cool. She's just wearing a beanie. Like Mm -hmm. you're not with it right now. (laughs) Yeah. I, um, I really, what I did like Tanya for was how she was the, showing way of kind of introducing us to the fact that this world is not like our own Mm -hmm. and that there's fairies and you mentioned that there's ghosts and it's just there's all this supernatural and fantastical things all intermingling in this public school and i kind of liked that we learned a lot about the world through the character of tanya and then like the introduction of other characters that were also fairies yeah yeah she's a good catalyst Um, And one Mm -hmm. of the ways that she is able to help introduce Vi more to the school is she insists that Vi helps out at the social committee, which is helping to plan and set up for this 12th grade night dance, which is this annual dance they do, I guess, like two weeks into the school year as a way to raise funds for the senior trip and also to welcome new students. And so uh, Tanya tells you know, Vi to get with the group um, of humans who are in charge of the balloon decorations. And that's Toby um, and then Maria and then their other friends whose name I can't mm-hmm. remember right now. <laughs> um, Toby, Maria, and oh goodness, you're right. I can see him, but I, this is, this Andrew, is my problem. It's Andrew. I, yes. I can see his face, but I can't think of his name. That's he essentially cool me watching hair. Yeah, that's me watching Game of Thrones. Like, I know everybody's faces, but I don't know their names. Yeah, so uh, Maria or Mariah, maybe, 
uh, Andrew and then Toby. And so they're all in charge of, you know, the decorations part of the social committee. Um, and they just joined in because Toby really likes food. And then they joined because mm-hmm. Toby's in it. So yeah. that's fun. And then we have, oh, go for it. Oh, and I was going to say that Maria just like takes very quickly to Vi and is like, oh, yeah, I'll show you around. Like, you know, you can come and join the writing club that I'm the leader of. And don't worry, it's very queer friendly. And we have, mm-hmm. you know, this this queer club and you'll fit in right there. So automatically we're starting to get a sense of how others are viewing Vi, which is that mm-hmm. she is uh, mask presenting and probably a lesbian. Mm-hmm. But I I love, I mean, the, our expectations are subverted later, which mm-hmm. is great. But I would just want to hang a little bit more on Maria because I love characters like Maria who are the, hey, you're new here. I'm going to take you under my wing and like make you feel welcomed and make you feel like a part of this new place. Like those, I, I, those are my comfort characters, I guess I'd call them because... I just, I want more of that to actually exist in the real world, you know? I know. And I always want to be that kind of person, you know? Exactly. And I guess as a teacher, it really does, like, I am kind of like that in my classroom. And, like, I try to make everybody in that space feel welcome, mm-hmm. um, whether it's I've met you for the first time or I've known you forever. So I, I really liked Maria. I think she might have been my favorite character. Same. She's definitely um, relatable and a good role model. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I I just, I really liked all the <clears throat> stuff she kind of had her, had her fingers in. I don't know if that's the right way to say that. Had her, <laughs> um, had her, uh, what's the saying? Just all the things at the school she was involved in, like the yeah. writing club and the, um, what was the other club you mentioned earlier? The She's in part of the AHS, like, queer Yes, queer club, club exactly. Um, and just, like, this very involved person who seems to be doing all the right things um, yeah. by her school and for her school. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, she was really, she was really cozy and she kind of, I wanted, I, li- I enjoyed every scene that had her in it. I hope there's more Arden High stories that feature Maria because she she's mm-hmm. a gem. She's a true gem. She is a gem. So she gets uh, Vi to come over and hang out. Um, and I guess we should say before too much more happens, they go into the lunch room together and almost immediately Vi trips over a pile of terrible poetry that had been put <laughs> on the ground by Orsino. You know, he's this uh, willowy looking kid with really fashionable pants and this like billowing hair. And it turns out that he's not only a poet, but some kind of influencer on Instagram. And immediately Vi is smitten with him and they have some really cute little banter. And he has uh, almost immediately, if you can pick up on the fact that he assumes that Vi and Maria are together, that they're mm-hmm. a couple. And so he's like, oh, wow. And you're sitting with with Maria. And she's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, that just happened. And he's like, well, you act quick. Good for you. And it's like, oh, thing to say to a person without even knowing what their name is. But OK. Yeah. OK. <laughs> no, 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 no. So this is where a second read-through would have benefited me because I would have picked up on the fact that it's revealed later, like, or that 
Orsino thought this, but I didn't, I, I mean, I, I remember that part of the book, but I didn't take it as a hint at what would happen later. So mm. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. So, uh, he he like we get a sense that they have you know some good vibes going on but they don't mm-hmm. talk anymore after that um instead they get introduced to Olivia who is Toby's cousin and i think she's the most popular human girl at school um she's very lovely super pretty and it seems like everybody loves her everybody wants to take her to the dance too <laughs> <laughs> And she um, seems really sweet, Olivia. Yep. Do you have anything more to say and about Olivia? I I kind of like that we got to see more of her than I expected. Like when we when they did the D&D kind of thing in the middle mm-hmm. and um we kind of got to see So the big thing about this book is what I might call a love triangle, right? Between well, that includes Vi Orsino and Olivia, plus some like maybe adjacent lines of interest with some other characters who are interested in Olivia. Yeah. But there's all of this swirling drama going on at the center of this story. And I like that removed from this drama, we get a few brief moments of just getting to see olivia outside of it and kind Mm -hmm. of getting to see a little bit more of what her character is and like how she's sweet and how she's really thoughtful so yeah i did i did overall enjoy olivia's character too and she just like she uh, she falls under vice spell and has a crush on vi which i um i mean we learned that that means like we have a bunch of these queer characters now which is awesome And I like how you said it's a love triangle. I think this is one of the most literal and perfect uses of the word love triangle because they are, it's like a a perfect, they're all arrows pointing to each point. Exactly. Vi it's loves a... Orsino, but Orsino loves mm-hmm. Olivia, but Olivia loves Vi, but I, Vi loves uh, Orsino, and it's just, it goes on and on. It's so good. It's not a love H2O molecule. It's an actual <laughs> love triangle. This isn't Bella, Edward, and Jake- Jacob. Jacob? Yeah. yeah. This is something in, different entirely, and I kind of like that um, difference, too. And I, I imagine, is it true of the Twelfth Night? Yes. So, well, so in Twelfth Night, from what I'm able to remember, and most of this comes from my familiarity with Amanda Bynes' movie, She's the Man, but you have Viola and you have Sebastian and then you have Olivia. And yeah, it seems to happen like this where um, I don't remember exactly how it is. It might be Viola is posing as, you know, Sebastian. Um, I'm remembering a ship and a storm and now i'm wondering if i actually saw the tempest but anyways <laughs> uh and, and she's the man we'll talk about she's the man um perfect vi definitely is posing as sebastian to get into this soccer club and uh happens to be roommates with this uh who is supposed to be duke orsino i think in in the the movie he's just called duke and he has a crush on Olivia, who ends up having a crush on Vi, I think, in the movie, because Vi's the one person who doesn't seem to like Olivia. Everyone else pines after her, chases after her. Um, and it seems to be that way in here, too. Like, Vi's the one person who seems indifferent towards Olivia. And so, like, Olivia, I think 
likes that. I think she likes not being sure whether somebody likes her because it's a bit more of a challenge. But also I think it's mm-hmm. just a bit of a refreshing change of pace for her. And then um and then, you know, as the the story goes on, Vi ends up getting feelings for Duke Orsino and then antics ensue. I think this is one I think Twelfth Night is a comedy of Shakespeare. Okay. And no, I I I get that entirely from yeah. this. And there's just there's so many sweet moments. I think I think I enjoyed probably the most were the interactions between Orsino and Vi because mm. I just I liked Vi so much. Like yeah. there were times I didn't like Vi, but I also like because she was making choices that weren't um super positive, I guess. But I also mm-hmm. understood why she was making those choices, like like why she felt the way she felt. Mm-hmm. Um but all the times where we had Vi and Orsino together were just so wholesome and just like they're either they're talking about writing songs or they're talking about their interests or they're just hanging out. And I mean, it's very clear Orsino sees her as a friend and mm. Vi is pining after him. But they're also just like, it was just, I really enjoyed the scenes that had the two of them. I did too. And I, I did enjoy the scenes where, like you were mentioning the LARPing, they all get together at Toby's house and Toby's kind of like the game master and they're all dressed mm-hmm. up as these different characters and uh, they're they're that like so play fun. acting. It was delightful it was like this is first off what a great world that you can just casually get together in full regalia with you know your friends and no one bats an eye at it like everyone is fully in it it's just a chance to see all of them laughing and having fun together and for them to just be accepting of Vi so quickly and just inviting her to the group like she doesn't take part in any of the the fight sequences she's just tied to a tree for most of it um and they're fighting over who gets her eyes i think yeah her who gets to eat the elf's eyeballs Yeah. she's the last <laughs> living elf and it's just like and then suddenly she had elf thing. ears and suddenly yeah. she has elf ears who gave these to me um and yeah. I, I thought i am particularly was... attached to these eyeballs yeah. <laughs> it was really funny <laughs> it was and like i had thought you know she's just kind of sitting out and she's just watching things happen you know she didn't have a chance to read all 20 pages that toby sent for her character development but you can clearly see that she's laughing along with them they're all like you know having these wonderful antics and olivia pulls out the i am no man moment from lord of the rings when she goes mm-hmm. to fight you know her cousin for the the eyeball another great reference it's so good and it's just like you can tell there's a lot of love and history woven into their friendship and they so seamlessly just interweave Vi in with them and it's it's beautiful there are a lot of lot of wholesome friendships in this book yeah and i want to just highlight what you talked about with the and yeah he wrote this 20 page kind of introductory <laughs> thing to this um D campaign it's just like it's those little details that are perfect snippets of characterization because you read that and you're just like oh i know who this character is now like i know this character so much better because i know they did this mm-hmm. and it's that smartly woven into the narrative type of characterization that i really think is um well executed in this book yeah ev- no sentence wasted really every mm, single exactly. line of dialogue is intentional um, and I think the only other big thing I wanted us to touch on before we just started talking more in general about the book mm-hmm. was the, I think you might have briefly mentioned it before, but there is this um, kind of 
overarching plot of the fact that um, Sebastian and Vi lost their father about two years ago, and it's been affecting them. And there's also a little bit in here about grief and about yeah. um, I, who did Vi connect with in the end about who also recently lost a relative? Olivia. Olivia's Yeah, father. exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they got to connect over that. And like, I appreciated that in the end, it brought them closer as friends. Mm-hmm. And I appreciated that the characters in the book, like <clears throat> very, this might be the one out of character, like out of high school teenager character moments where, well, you don't want to be my boyfriend or girlfriend or my um, significant other. So now we're done with each other. Like that right. seems more high school to me, but I appreciate that we get another this is more in the realm of, okay, we kind of understand that you don't like me like I like you, but I still want to be friends, like, because we have this connection. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And that also really deeply weighs on Vi and Sebastian's characters. And I think, <clears throat> like, even without explicitly coming out and saying it in the book, I feel like they're definitely also just working with the idea of loss and what it does to a person and what it does to the way people think mm-hmm. and like just i think vi might be feeling a little like she might be losing her brother yeah because she's had this big loss and that's something that comes up a, in a lot in literature and um media is this whole like once you go through that big loss it's easier to feel like these little losses are actually big life-changing losses yeah and to answer your question from earlier, the whole sibling thing was why I cried in this book. Sibling oh, things, okay. it always gets to me because I have a brother. Yeah. And so, like, you know, you just think back on the times and, and uh, like, the shared history 100%. that you have with your sibling. And so, in this case, um, you know, Vi feels like she's been abandoned by her brother because mm-hmm. they had this plan, you know, according to her, that they were going to be doing everything together, going to the schools together. And it seems like it was a last minute decision for Sebastian to ask to stay at St. Anne's. And the middle school had been um, co-ed, but high schools there are segregated between the, the genders. So there's an all girl school and an all boys school. And so they wouldn't have been going to the same school together anyways, I think, which is probably another reason why Vi was like, let's go to the public school because we'll be together then. But instead, he opted to stay behind, um, you know, at the school they'd been at, which wasn't working for her because she wasn't able to present herself the way that she felt the most comfortable. Um, Mm -hmm. But then, you know, we get in the early scenes of you know, Vi's having all of these issues. Like she has a crush on Orsino who almost immediately asks her to, can you like, can you ask Vi, uh, Olivia Vi to see if I can go to the dance with her? Like, I want to ask her to the dance, but can you ask her for me? See if she likes me. And she's like, this is the only person I want to talk to about this is my brother. And he's not here. And she like Mm -hmm. texts him to say, you know, hey, can you come home this weekend so I can see you? We can talk about things. And he's like, ah, oh, man, I'm really busy with homework and stuff. And so she's like, all right, fine. You know, I understand. Except she doesn't actually end up saying that because then he posts a picture on his Instagram of being at a party with his friends. And so she feels like he just ditched her for no good reason. And so she's like, yeah, I see you're really swamped with homework. Like, don't bother coming home. And, and then... 
What's so lovely is he does come home. He does. And tries to reconnect with his sister. And I feel like she's just too hurt in that moment to um, accept it. But luckily we do get that acceptance later. And I think they have a good heart to heart about kind of needing like they're twins i can never pretend to understand that connection right but just needing that separation like he talked about wanting to find himself and like find out who he was without her Mm -hmm. and like you hear that you hear about that a lot in literature too in just this whole idea of like getting out of not like for a relationship like getting out of this long-term relationship and just being like i need to figure out who i am with like with nobody i need to figure Mm -hmm. out who i am without this um big pillar of my life there and it's never like i don't ever see that a lot of people can take it as a like abandoning type of uh feeling but i don't think it ever really needs to be it's just like we're gonna still do stuff together but we're not gonna do everything together like we also need to um make our own identities and i like that that's kind of the conclusion this book came to um among the others it also came to Yeah, it's definitely like a coming of age, a very strong coming of age theme for both of them. And I think we'll see if there are more Arden High stories and the two of them are in it. I think we're going to find that their relationship is just going to get stronger because they'll know Mm -hmm. more firmly who they are and what they're able to bring to each other. Perfect. I think that was succinct and... And I mean, because of how short this book is, I mean, I don't think we missed too many major um, plot points. And I think the ones we did, we might get into with just our natural discussions next. Yeah, I think the, the, the last big one that we haven't touched on is the ending, but I know we'll get there. And I think we're going to, yeah, we're going to, I'm definitely going to bring that up in our kind of just general discussion. Um, but can I kind of just, I have a, can I talk about a few of my things first? Yeah. Did you say something? I said, yeah, but in the high okay, pitched so I way, it, I, so I, I felt a little bit I think it cut swell. out then. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I, first of all, just really enjoyed Vi's characterization and overall arc. Mm-hmm. Um, like, she started by feeling dejected by her brother's chosen absence, but then they eventually patch things up, and there's this really great um, kind of shared discovery between the two of them about kind of how the relationship is going to build from here. And I thought that was great. Um, But also about Vi's characterization, um, she was a more masculinely presenting girl, which means, like you were saying earlier, a lot of the characters in the book assumed a lot of things about her because Orsino assumed she'd been into women and that she was actually already in this relationship with Maria, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But in the end... I mean, spoiler alert, Orsino and Vi do end up together. And um, there's this great message about what assumptions can do to um, a person's understanding of somebody else and a person's ability to sympathize with somebody else and a person's ability to connect with another person. Like, if you go into a relationship, whether it's a friendship or romantic relationship with these assumptions about the other person you're kind of closing a door to understanding, I feel like. And I like that this um, book kind of has the message that imagine how this story could have unfolded if these assumptions weren't made. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying it should have been written in the way that the assumptions weren't made. I think it's good that they were because it got to 
it cut to kind of tell this story and have this message, but you kind of get to think about like, maybe I shouldn't make these assumptions about people in the future. And I think that's just a great message to take out of this book. Well said. I'm nodding. (laughs) (laughs) I also, maybe sometime we'll have to do a video version of our podcast because every time I'm talking, my hands are moving. I accidentally hit my mic sometimes. It's a whole thing. Just like I cannot talk without moving my hands. So I'm also doing that. Just like I'm super, super excited to talk about these things. It's all good stuff to talk about. Like there is a lot here and a lot of really wonderful yeah. messages. And I also just love, oh, yeah, and hijinks too. I think we're going to talk about those. But before we do, um, I also just love that Maria is bisexual. Mm-hmm. Um, Sebastian is said to be a bisexual. Um, there's just a lot of queerness throughout this book. And I also, like, we never really learn of Vi's. Um, she might be into girl she doesn't know Mm -hmm. but she has a crush on orsino and that's kind of the main thing she's focused on so i like that we still have this character who's discovering herself and not being pressured into any one thing by anybody which is also good yeah do you have anything you want to bring up related to any of that let's see yeah i really liked the take of you know it's kind of the opposite of some of the tropes that we've gotten in, in stories of like, you know, you make an assumption that somebody's straight and it turns out that they're actually queer. And in this way, like you have a person who feels very comfortable being mask presenting, but also feels comfortable, you know, just not having labels attached. And I think you're right. I think she is still discovering herself. We have a really nice panel of her, you know, imagining herself skipping, holding hands with Olivia. And so like, maybe she would be happy, you know, settling down with a partner who's who's female um presenting but you know she doesn't need to know that right now what she you know does know is that she likes orsino and that's that's enough for high school and yeah i think i think that this the fact that it was the stereotypes that created the confusion and the conflict it feels like it's a pretty um a pretty honest misunderstanding and Mm -hmm. i didn't i didn't sense a lot of like you know miscommunications is what caused the you know like if only they talked more that this wouldn't have happened like they they talked plenty in this book and i think it was just the things that were going on in people's heads was really what created the story and i think that's that's a nice thing and i i'm not saying this has to happen because i vi can whatever these authors want to characterize characterize vi as is going to be perfectly fine but I could see Vi coming out as trans potentially in the future. Yeah. Um, and in that regard, I want more literature about trans gay men. Mm. Because, like, like we don't see that too prevalently in these types of stories. And I feel like it could be a really good story to be told. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. That would be really cool to see. Yeah. Um so some of the, I think the biggest central hijink, I think, in the book is the whole thing with Melvin and the trio of Maria, Toby, and Andrew kind of making <clears throat> him think that Olivia actually did want him to ask him to the dance in like the most ridiculous way. And I think personally, part of me felt that Melvin kind of deserved what just by like assuming that post was about him like 
Have we of talked course, about Melvin th- yet in this podcast? Oh, maybe we haven't. So, so yeah, you want to go say? for it? <laughs> okay, so Melvin is this obnoxious and weaselly kid. You know, he's like a tattletale essentially, who uh, has the biggest crush on Olivia and uh, the hijink. I, I'm going to call it one hijink. The hijink. Yeah, that, one uh, of many. Maria and Toby and Andrew pull on um on melvin is to get him to to very publicly ask out olivia to the dance in order to have him cause a ruckus and get in trouble with the hall monitors who are depicted as like these ghostly night figures it's actually really yeah, cool like, mm-hmm. so but he's he's just so annoying and uh you know he he's a suck up and <laughs> wants to get other people in trouble too like i think he he tries to get maria in trouble and get her detention and that's why she's like no one no one else gets maria in, in detention like we've got to get him back yep and it's just it all comes to a head at the 12th night dance um where melvin shows up and has i think he has stolen olivia's phone now so yeah, her phone was stolen like twice. I think Olivia <laughs> needs to keep better track of her phone personally. Me too. Um, but has proof that it was, it was, he was goaded into doing that big display for the um, dance invitation. Um, but the thing I, I mentioned a point really early on that when I was talking about like how smartly this book was written, it's related to this because um, Maria kind of realizing that the choice she made to kind of put Melvin through this was not a great choice, wrote a piece that she published in her school's magazine called mm-hmm. What I Learned from Bullying a Bully. Yeah. And I just really, like, I thought that was, I thought that was smart. I thought that was interesting. Like this character kind of self-reflecting and being, I imagine if I had read that piece, it might've talked about like maybe stooping to his level and mm-hmm. like being, getting him back with what he gave us in kind. It's just like, maybe not the best thing to do. Right. So I feel like there was also some growth there and it's just like, there were really smartly written things like that. Like what I learned from bullying the bully or whatever, like it's just, you read that and you're just like, that's, that's interesting. That's smart. Yeah. I will say the second unrealistic thing, because you talked about the first unrealistic thing in this book um, for what, how teenagers maybe wouldn't act. The second mm-hmm. thing was that um, Melvin's like, oh, I'm going to get you back for this. Like, no, you can't do this to me. And then Maria looks at him and then he's like, well, on, on second thought, like maybe maybe we can just all be kind to each other. And <laughs> it was just one of those moments where like, it's a really funny kind of closure. Like it's it's humorous. Um, it's wrapped up really neatly. But I think if this were a real life thing, I, I think this this would have drawn out a lot more. There would have been a lot more hijinks and antics of, of sniping each other, trying to get mm-hmm. back at each other. I don't think it would have been, I don't think this would have wrapped up as neatly in real life. But um, I, I did think it made sense in the context of the end of this book. Yeah, for sure. It's just how positive it was all was too. I wasn't, I wasn't upset that they also took the positive route in that choice too. Same. Um, I think the last big thing I wanted to talk about um, was just the whole ending sequence and yeah. how I ultimately felt confused by the. I think at one point Olivia goes to follow Vi on Instagram and ask her to the dance, but actually accidentally follows. 
um, Sebastian and asked Sebastian to the dance. And Sebastian is just like, sure, girl who's pretty that I don't know. I'll go to the dance with you. But never once stops to think and ask like, hey, who are you? I don't know you. Why are you asking me to the dance? Like, I feel like a very natural, maybe not, maybe not as a high school boy who's just like, yeah, I'll go to the dance with this pretty girl. Sure. Um, I'm not going to ask questions about it. This doesn't happen to me too often. I don't know. (laughs) But that was a little un believable and i think the unbelievability sparked my confusion later and i'm just like why does vi think this is vi or sorry why does olivia think this is vi yeah why is sebastian okay with this why doesn't sebastian bring this up with vi and be like hey do you know what's going on here like there's just i had to suspend a lot of disbelief and that's what eventually got me through that part was just being like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna hope i start to understand later this is definitely a Shakespeare thing, though. So you you can bring it up to Shakespeare and tell him. <laughs> um, from what I remember, I'll also bring it up with him in his name generator for Orsino. I'm just like that's the <laughs> name I feel like a fantasy writer gets out of a random name generator online. <laughs> Orsino, um, yeah. So I, I'm pretty sure in in Twelfth Night it's also very very sudden and very like okay. random. But I remember specifically in She's the Man, what happens is. Uh, Sebastian arrives at the school in the middle of night and it's dark. And so it can be excused that when Olivia goes up to to him, thinking that it's the Sebastian, in quotes, that she got to know, a.k.a. it's actually Vi, this is actually her brother, and she just kisses him flat out. She doesn't say anything to him. She just kisses him. And he's just kind of like dazed and like, okay, okay. like when, when she asks him to the dance. So if a random girl comes up to you and kisses you, or in this case, if a random girl who's really hot just you. asks you to the dance, and you're yeah. like, well, I wanted to have a first high school dance with my twin sister anyways. Like, sure, why not? Now I have a, a now I have an invite, basically. Yep, exactly. Um, but like I said, you eventually understand because it's kind of resolved and it's kind of discussed later what's happening and there's this whole like even at the dance there's the whole like you can imagine in a movie where all these like they're passing by each other but we don't know who's who yet and this mm-hmm. person's like but you just did this no that wasn't me but nobody knows what's going on because no i just saw you do that but it wasn't you it was like they didn't know it was the twins so lots of intentional confusion that all makes sense in the end yeah and they This is where I was saying earlier how, like, the design kind of breaks down for the ending because um, they look very similar. They're twins, but also they're dressed in different colors, but in the colors of the dance floor, it looks the same. And Mm -hmm. I I had to find myself, like, trying to look at the hair, like, the curl pattern in their hair because I was looking for suit details. I was, I'm, like, 100% (laughs) I was specifically looking for suit details because, like, Vi's suit had this specific thing to the front collar versus Mm. Sebastian's. Like, Vi's suit had this weird, like, kink in the um, front cuff, whereas Sebastian didn't, I think? Yeah. But anyways, like, I was looking at suit details. So it was... It was interesting. Yeah. It's like, I'm also, I'm looking at it again right now. And like, they seem to have a, a bit of a coloring differentiation where like more of the yeah, blue Yeah, one's lights, a little red. One's a little bit red. But then like on the same page, you know, it'll be like the one who is normally in blue is now in red. And it's like, well, that's not confusing at all. So I think, I think there could have been 
maybe a little bit more differentiation in the coloring here, but it did help to show how twin-like they look, which is mm-hmm. something I have not seen in any of the, either the staging for Twelfth Night that I saw, where the actors look nothing alike, um, and in the Amanda Bynes movie, where they don't really look alike, where, you know, this this feels like they're actually twins. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to make myself seem a little silly here, but I will say there was one point during the 12th night dance sequence where I went, oh yeah, they're twins. <laughs> Cause like, I just, I was like, I knew it, but I, my brain had forgotten it for a moment. And then I was sure. like, oh duh, they're twins. Yeah. It is, it is nice to read this a second time knowing very firmly who these characters are mm-hmm. and so you're able to see things like their their instagram handles exactly the same except for the very last letter which is either a v for vi or an s for sebastian and like mm-hmm. i had missed that for like i think a good four quarters of the book four quarters four fifths of the book four quarters is 100 percent. i'm yeah. <laughs> up to the very very ending um and i also was really confused when olivia sent that that instagram message out and then i'm like wait why is sebastian holding this and like that is like you said like just keep on reading because they do explain that they have basically identical instagram handles but still like it's it's the subtle 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 details in here that really help to make this book shine but it's also the key to fully understanding the ending and so if you haven't been paying as close attention to it there is stuff that you could miss out on Mm -hmm. but yeah i think overall it wrapped up pretty nicely Maybe like we were saying, maybe a little rushed, but I mean, I overall didn't detract from my enjoyment of it as a story. No. And in fact, I think it encourages rereads. Yeah, for sure. Especially if you maybe will want to reread it if they release a new story in this world at a later date. Yes. Oh, I really hope so. Yeah, I do too. And you were mentioning it even before we started podcasting that maybe they'll try to like retell Romeo and Juliet or a different story like i the the, um shakespeare uh play that i'm the most familiar with is midsummer's night's dream because i actually played puck in my high school's adaptation of it so i'd be interested in seeing a story of that well and we know that they're in here puck is definitely in here and sebastian uh seems to have a crush on him so yep it'd be nice to see a sebastian and puck story it would. It would definitely. Uh, do you have anything else you want to get to before we wrap it up? I really liked this book. Thank you so much for reading it. With me. Yeah, thank you for suggesting it. I like, honestly, y'all know this by now. I'm never going to um, say no to an Amy suggestion. I do look forward to the day where we both read a book that neither of us suggested to the other. We kind of just picked it because like, mm. we'd either heard about it or... What not? You know, like we both go into it not really knowing what to expect. I like that. I'm excited for a discussion like that in the future. But next month will not be that sort of discussion because (laughs) we will be reading something I am entirely too obsessed with that I don't think you've read yet, Amy. I have not. I've been waiting for this. Yeah, I'm so dang excited. So let's get into it. Let's wrap it up. This is going to be one of our shorter episodes, but I don't think that's too much of a bad thing i think it kind of just speaks to how um much of a good quick read 12th grade night is yeah um but yeah next month we're going to be reading the last well the last 
three published volumes of Allison Oseman's Heartstopper. So we're going to actually be reading three volumes, um, volume three, volume four, volume five. Five actually just released within the last month. Um, and yeah, <clears throat> I've read those. I don't think Amy has yet, but I'm no. so dang excited. I also we all haven't know Heart- watched the season two, two yet. I haven't seen the latest season either. Yeah. Do you know what are you going to watch before or are you going to watch after? I don't have Netflix anymore, so I don't know. Oh, maybe I'll have to let you borrow our Netflix. For this Ooh. case, I'll do that. If we're if we're able to, that's why I don't have it anymore because I was already borrowing from somebody. Oh wait, that's so right. You can't do that with no never more Netflix mind. sharing. Never so mind. No Netflix I sharing. I think I'll just have to to rent it for a month. Rent it. Yeah, I subscribe for a month. <laughs> if you can, it could add to our discussion. But that's going to be the episode that releases in February, and I really like. I could talk for an hour about why it's going to be amazing because of how amazing these three volumes are. And what they do for just, <laughs> um, just like queer culture in general, it's really really good. Some of like the my favorite things I've ever read, like it's just it's incredible, and I'm so excited, and I'm probably gonna cry as I I just read volume five. I'm oh. going. I'm planning on rereading three, four, and five for before we record. Nice. But like I remember crying during volume three. I remember. No, I remember crying specifically during Volume 4. Because okay. Volume 4 is probably the heaviest volume of Heartstopper. Uh-oh. Okay. But it's also my favorite volume of Heartstopper oh. because of what it does. It's just, I can't wait until I'm just, you're texting me furiously as you read it, telling me all about your thoughts. <laughs> I, I might have to do the whole, like, um, text along. You know, it'll be my, my running commentary. Please, please do. And maybe we'll bring it up in our episode. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, yes, look forward to that in February, everybody. Um, and do yourself a favor and read Alice Oseman's Heartstopper beforehand so you can enjoy our discussion of it. But in the meantime, if you have any queer book suggestions for us, we are compiling our list of 2024 Big Gay Book Reads, and we want to talk about some of the books you want to hear about. We still have so many months left of this year, mm-hmm. um, so we'd love to throw some books in there that you want to hear about too because we've been picking them ourselves sometimes randomly sometimes from recommendation but it'd be nice to also be able to have a book that was potentially listener picked so feel free to email us at the big gay book club at gmail.com if you um, want to reach out yeah and in the meantime if you want to uh, come and hang out with us when we are not podcasting um i have a twitch my handle is jaspelior that's j-a-s-p-e-l-l-i-o-r i play games over there i do music and uh, as i mentioned earlier on i've started trying to do some writing streams or productivity accountability streams so uh if you come on by over there i'm going to see if i can incorporate those more often especially if you have a project that you're working on and you just need that extra push of other people fulfilling their goals together you can hang out with us and chris i know you try to come by when you can to my streams Mm mm-hmm Exactly. And maybe if you're planning a school dance, you could go and hang out with Amy and get some of that planning done, you know? Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And we have our Instagram TBG Book Club, if you'd like to follow us there. Sometimes I post 
um, updates about the book we're going to be reading in the future so you can know ahead of time. I also sometimes post snippets from our episode. Mm-hmm. I also will hopefully, I've been having, I've been having a lot of ideas that I want to discuss with Amy in the future and potentially get some like tiny, not specifically recorded on a podcast, but like little bonus content that we might be able to make for it too. So I'm going to be, be I'm going to be putting that in Amy's ear soon. So that might be something <laughs> that's happening in the future too. Cool. Um, but yeah, this was awesome. Thank you yeah. so much for suggesting this book, Amy, and for chatting with me about it today on this snowy Sunday. Yes, and very, very winter squally Sunday over here. Yes, I, I was. <laughs> I I feel very cozy with my warm desk lamp and um, cozy gay blanket. Yeah, and the twelfth grade night in front of me. Yeah. It was swell. Thank you so much. Well, Yes, and a special thank you to Kevin McLeod for the use of our theme song work, which you heard throughout this episode. You can find more of his music on Incompetech. And until February, everybody, I've been Chris. And I've been Amy. And this has been the Big Gay Book Club. Bye. Bye. Bye.